Hello and welcome to another episode of the Football Faithful Podcast. We're a little bit late this week, but that's only because we knew there was going to be some big managerial news out today, so we waited. My name's Sam Steen, and joining me on the show as always is Peter Henry. Hi, Peter. How's it going, everybody? Anthony Kelly's there as well. Hi, Ant. Uh, gents, how are we doing? Carl Williams here. Hi, Carl. How you doing, guys? Good now. And making his pod debut, Colm Bowie. How are you, Colm? How are things? How are the men? We well. Ah, oh, we're not bad, not bad. Uh, as always, we'll start with moment of the week. Peter, get us going on this. What's yours? Yeah, well, there's been a you know a late change of, change of plan here. It would have gone to uh, Charlie Austin um, for his you know epic rant, and even withstanding even withstanding the kind of park life uh, video, which was top class. You, everybody knows I absolutely despise sterile. Uh, you know, player interviews, and that was just a lad coming off the pitch and just telling it exactly how he felt, which I'd like to see more of. But, but the news that Mr. Dilly Ding Dong is back in the Premier League um, <laughs> has just overtaken because for somebody who spends his Friday and Saturdays, you know, taking comments from press conferences and after, you know, post-match interviews and stuff. Having Claudio back is a little ray of sunshine in my life. So welcome <laughs> back. Uh, we'll, well, we'll get more on that in a little bit. Uh, Anton, what about you? Uh, moments of the weekend by far had to be um, the referee at Cardiff missing Sol Bamba ripping his shirt <laughs> off and celebrating with the Cardiff players. I mean, how'd you miss a six foot two centre half with his shirt off jumping into the crowd? Like, you know, and the fact that he asked him, Did you take your shirt off? And he said, uh, No, no, it didn't, ref. No, it's fine. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm scared of him, man. <laughs> oh, amazing. I would be. Yeah, I would be. I'd, I'd say fine or whatever. You know, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely brilliant. Quality that's a, moment. That's though. a cracker one. Carl, what about yourself? For me, mate, it's got to be the fact that VAR's not here and the incidents that have caused us to start questioning why we're so far behind the times when we've got the technology we have. That's your moment of the week. That's, that's, that's my moment of the, like, the week and the weekend. Too many incidents where we could have all these cleared up. Okay, so yours is more of a gripe. Okay, fair Mine's enough. Mine's more of a gripe. Yeah, right, fair enough. <laughs> a miserable bastard. Colin, what about yourself? <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know what I, I, it wasn't even my moment of the week it was my moment of the year was Charlie Aston but you have taken that so for something different and I did have it second just in case someone said Charlie Aston because I anticipated that I have to say Manchester City's third goal the 44 pass yeah. even as a Manchester United fan I, that was unbelievable to watch I mean there you know it reminded me of ourselves back in the day oh yeah that, well, I don't know if we were uh, ever putting 40-something passes together, well, to be honest. But. Was, uh, you know, the idea of it, it was like a familiar friend from back in the day. <laughs> and Gundogan's, Gundogan's composure, too, just to take it with his weaker foot and then finish it. Uh, it was unbelievable. It was all right, but I, I don't think I can put it in as a moment of the week, to be honest with you. Uh, my own moment of the week was that video that, that's been doing the rounds. I'm sure everyone's seen it, of the uh, dad pushing the kid over. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, God. I don't know if, if if you haven't seen this. It's basically a, like an under tens match where some one of their player, one of the attacking players, gets through into the box, takes a shot. It's going in, and there's a father standing next to the pitch, and he just shoves the goalkeeper over. He falls flat in the ground, saves it, but the ball spills back into the box, and someone taps in the rebound, and the father goes bananas. He's like, "Fuck!" He's not. He's not disappointed that he's had to push his kid over. He's disappointed it, that they followed in and got the rebound. It's brilliant. It was like watching a young Joe Hart in action, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> back in the danger area. I'm surprised um, Joe Hart's old lad isn't standing behind the goals. These days. Just shoving him over. <laughs> 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 
dear. Uh, right then, let's. Uh, we've touched on it briefly there. Let's start with the Manchester Derby. City three, United one. Jose Mourinho defended his players afterwards, uh, saying that they weren't outplayed in the game. But Peter, that's uh, that's a pile of shit, isn't it? <laughs> oh yeah, no. Listen, they were completely and utterly, um, you know, outclassed pretty much from from start to finish. Um, I, I didn't actually think it was too much different to, you know, the other Manchester derbies, bar maybe the three-two. Uh, I think there was a nil-nil in there as well. But you know, the last two times since it's been Pep and Mourinho, um, even the two games at Old Trafford, they completely did, you know, outplayed us in pretty much every facet of the game. Um, and they probably should have been three or four up at halftime in them two other games, but they only, you know, ended up scraping over the line 2-1 through, you know, their own lack of being clinical in front of goal, really. So it's kind of been a common team. And I, I'd kind of, I don't know how the rest of the other United fans feel, but like, I I haven't enjoyed the Manchester derby going back to about 2010, if I'm perfectly honest, since the Silvos and, Silvas and Agueros and, you know, even Yaya yeah, yeah, Toure back in the in the day, you know, all day. I think City have been playing better football than Man United for a large chunk of time. Um, and yeah, listen, there, there's. It was a strange game in a way because City. We've all saw the stats, you know, that that City came out and, you know, United only strung together five or six passes. I think by the time City put the ball in the back of the net after twelve or thirteen minutes, and it, you know, there was gaps opening up in between the lines all over the place right from the get go. So. The goal was definitely coming, and um, yeah, and then, but then I thought City kind of took their their foot off the pedal a little bit, um, and although United weren't playing well or really getting anything off on goal, I thought you know that they were kind of just about hanging in there, and then the the, the goal just after half time was obviously a you know a, a killer. Um, David de Gea, you know, he's been our savior for so long, but and I you know he's still our savior, and he's still one of the greatest goalkeepers in the world, but there was three individual mistakes in that goal and he committed two of them so you know you're not really expecting you're expecting him to save you in a big game like that not let one through his through his hands um, I don't care how powerful you know a shot it was it, it shouldn't have been um, it shouldn't have gone through a goalkeeper that class shouldn't be getting better a ball shouldn't be going through their hands at the near post like that so um, then I thought you know once we got the goal because of the the, the events of the last you know, seven days or whatever before. When it goes 2-1, I thought, you know what, we might just scrape an undeserved draw here and I'll, I'll take that kind of thing. Um, but then I thought City just kind of turned it up again after we got that um, After we got that goal. You just couldn't You just couldn't get the ball. Like, you were kind of hoping we just somehow got the ball, managed to work it up the pitch and got a free kick or a corner. But, you know, they just we just couldn't get it off. And, you know, like Colm said, it, that, that goal is, was just absolutely uh, phenomenal. Uh, they're on a different planet, um, Man City, uh, from Man United. Um, I think they're on a different planet to everyone else in the league, if I'm honest. I said last year that I thought they're the best team in Premier League history and they're playing a level of football that's never been seen before. And I, a lot of people disagreed with me, you know, which I think is the kind of rose-tinted glasses syndrome. Everyone's looking back thinking, Things were better in the past, but this you just have to look at like Liverpool Spurs best ever starts to the season since you know in whatever 25, 26 years in the Premier League, and they can't even keep up. Well, not that they're miles behind, but they're they're still behind City. Like so, you just see how far other teams are have to raise it even to stay within touching distance of City. Um, I I honestly think they 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 could break the hundred points again this year. They're just 
they're just absolutely superb. Um, and, and I think any of the great teams of the past, even the Invincibles, the, you know, the great Man United teams of the past, the interchange and the speed of play that City are, are doing things at, I don't think anybody could, could handle them. That's, that's my honest opinion. I didn't feel in any way bad about United's performance. I thought they put everything in it. You know, obviously, I'm just going to sound massively hypocritical because I slate Pogba all the time. But in that game of all games, we needed a midfielder in there who was able to, to you know, to whip the ball into the forwards or to put one in behind City's defence. And it was just, you know, the Matic, uh, Fellaini and Herrera. I wouldn't fault their offer, their effort by any means, but, you know, there just wasn't the quality there on the ball, especially against small, nippy lads like the two Silvas. They just destroyed them. Um, Herrera is normally good in them types of games. You know, we all loved it when he spat in the City crest last year, but he, he was shocking, actually. Normally, he's actually good for games like that, but he, he was really, really poor. Um, the one thing I did say, I thought it was a bit, it showed a lack of object, objectivity at times with Man United coverage, the way people just completely disregarded, you know, Mourinho saying his players were a bit tired. And that's not for me one, for one second trying to say that Man United, are, you know, are anywhere near the same level as Man City or they deserve to win. But like, you know, you look at the two, the, like, I even thought in the build-up we're going to be wrecked here after Juve and Bournemouth, you know, once it gets into the last 15, 20 minutes. City played two games at home beforehand that were effectively over after 15 minutes. They were 3-0 up against Southampton, 3-0 up against Shakhtar. So they were definitely going to have, a, you know, an extra an extra bit, bit of gas in the tank, I would say. So, um, yeah, I, I, I personally wouldn't be getting too upset with it now because I think it'll come down to how we do against the other top six clubs. Um, whether we'll get into the top floor. This shit gone around that United's title bid was over. They didn't ever had a fucking title bid this season as far as I'm well, concerned. Well, no, absolutely. So I, mean, I don't know where that was coming from. Like, Peter, you're, um, saying, you're saying it'll depend on the results against the other ones, but I mean... You, you and look, you, not even yet. Yes. I mean, yeah, sorry, you, you look at where we are now. We're we're eighth behind Watford and Bournemouth with a negative goal difference. So I think it's the first yeah. time we've had a negative goal difference at this stage since something like 1978 or something ridiculous like that. Mm-hmm. Colin, yeah. do, do you see? Do you? Uh, I'm I'm kind of at a bit of a loss for words here. Peter mentioned there that Fellaini started. Josie said that things would have been different if he'd had a Fellaini to bring off the bench rather than start and. You know, then, oh, City, they wouldn't have known what hit them if they'd had to deal with that. But, I mean, that just seems like another ridiculous excuse. Uh, being last words is probably the most appropriate question to do at Manchester United at the moment. <laughs> um, no, like, there's, like, all the statistics back it up. I mean, we've created fewer chances than Wolves, Everton, Southampton, Watford and Fulham mm-hmm. up to this point. Um, that's Fulham who just have a new manager. I mean, you know, you... For a guy who hates stats, all of a sudden, Mourinho, you know, you have a lot to uh, to use against him. But like, I, you know, describe Man United these days. They're like, they're like someone who who has a kayak and they want to they want to go from one island to the other, and then they're halfway out and they realise that they've taken on far more than they can, and they have to just go backwards. So we're not quite sinking and swimming out there, but we're just like we'll be safe. We'll get back to the island, fine. But we're going nowhere in particular. That's to do with our ambition. That's to do with how we play the game itself. I mean, the most stark contrast there was on Sunday. Like, we pass the ball because a man is free, not because we're going anywhere in particular with it. Um, I think Mourinho, I think his his uh, preference always has been to let the front three kind of do what they want. And I suppose these days, you know, with the pep 
and clock input, you just need to do so much more than that. And I, I don't know where to start. Like as for Fellini, she's. I, I don't know what he was getting out with that. I mean, you know, he could have done the same damage in the first twenty minutes as opposed to the last. If he's suggesting that Man City will be tired, I mean, the, probably the best way to uh, avoid fatigue is keeping the ball and passing it. You know, amongst each other, something that Manchester United can't really do. No. I, I, like the other thing, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think. The last time I enjoyed Jose Mourinho was probably the end of the 2013-14 season when his Chelsea side went to Anfield uh, in the slip game, and he did that glorious celebration at the end. And I love that type of Mourinho. I love that bastard. But, yeah, but, just, just, but that was like pure nasty Mourinho, where it was just absolutely anti-football, negative, niggly, horrible. You know, just. We're, we're not even getting yeah. that at United. Do you know what I mean? There's just a, it just I mean, seems uh, toothless. Uh, like there's nothing there. It's it's really no. His, his debut's going well. Uh, Colm, well, listen, Colm's after coming in there with a great boat analogy very early on, so I'm a big fan. <laughs> of that, so. uh, yeah, yeah, lads. I, I think I, I think what he meant about Fellaini and like I, I do agree with Colm. It's just not enjoyable watching Man United. You don't know what you're going to get. They're not an attacking team. They're not a Mourinho team. It's just a whole lot lot of nothingness and. As much as you know, I bet the drums. I don't think it's it's Jose Mourinho's fault by any stretch of the the amount. It, it's not all his fault. A massive amount of it is his. But I think the players, the the, the owner, not the ownership, the board of the club, everything. It's 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 been a bit of a shit show for quite a while now. Um, but I think the Fellaini point was more that Allegri said after the Juve game, and this is what I'm going to say now: is the, it's the hope that kills you. The you know, Allegri said that. The turning point in Turin was when Fellaini came on because no centre defenders want to see him coming on. So I think it was more a case if we were still in the game, we might want to start chucking it into the box. And as much as people, you know, demean Fellaini, I don't think it, it was interesting to see that Allegri actually said that's what turned it for them because my defenders were preoccupied with him. So I think that's what he kind of meant about Fellaini. Um, but yeah, it's 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 it, it's absolutely. Um, I, I think we it, all know. I, th- I think we all know what he meant by it. But when Fellaini is your kind of like your get out of jail free card, you know you're in trouble. Carl, what were you going to say there? Well, I was going to say it must be frustrating for you boys because with United this year, you've seen flashes, haven't you, of a side that potentially when the will, you know, when the restrictions are taken off them, attackingly, you can actually tear teams apart. You know, you've got players that. If they're on fire, like Martial, Rashford, they can really hurt teams. But you just don't see it often enough. You see it like 20 minutes in in fits and starts in, in, in each game where you go, oh, yeah, they're looking good now. This could be it. Oh, no, back to, back to being boring and pedestrian and slow and negative. So it must be really frustrating with the forward line you've got. I'm sorry, lads, but like, show me. When was the ra- ta- ra- last time Rashford actually... Scored a good finish, like in a Manchester United shirt. I'd say it was Liverpool. Like he misses chance after chance after chance. Even in the Bournemouth game, you know, like he missed an absolute. Like, people are going on about the Aki block. He, he hit it in the one part of the box, the goal where there was a defender again in against Juve during the week. He goes through one on one to kill the game off completely. He misses a one on one again. I'm not sure that's all the manager's fault. I, you know, and, and like the thing that does my head in about Rashford is if he misses a, a, a chance. Like you see, Alan Shearer then go, oh, it's it's, it's not his fault. It's not because he's because he's not it's because he's not starting every week as a striker. But how can he start as a striker every week when he keeps missing chances? It doesn't, you know. Like I think people apologise for a lot of the players way too much. I think Mourinho mm. should go. He has been left behind a bit. 
with, like Colm said, with the, you know, there's a new there's a new day in terms of how football is played now. You know, his day might, is probably a bit gone. I, you know, I I think it just doesn't work, and it, it's it's time for him to go. Um, is is probably the best solution. Who we get in, I'm not sure, but like, you know, I. I there's too many players hiding behind Mourinho as well. There's too many of them just not performing consistently. Pogba's a Pogba's a joker, like, uh, but you know, outrageously talented, but like can't concentrate for ninety minutes. He was woeful against Juventus, absolutely disgraceful. I was counting how many times he lost the ball. It was about fourteen, and then I gave up. Like, um, <laughs> and you know, like the, the the thing the thing that killed me on Sunday was because I kind of had a bit of hope after the Juve game. That's what makes it even worse. Like, you know what I mean? But, but, but it's, it's the same. Show, it's, it's, it's absolute shit show. It's all these kind of. The results over before this game, like you say, Peter, just sort of gave you just a little bit of a, a sliver of hope, just making you think, oh, you know, they're starting to dig out results, even if they're not playing well, they're getting results, and they've oh, they've gone away to Juve, and they've got a result there, and then this, then after getting well, well beaten, and then you look back and you look at the table and you see that we're in eighth, and as I said, behind Watford, behind Bournemouth, minus one goal difference, and then you start going, Jesus Christ, what the fuck yeah, is going on here? It's like, terrible. It's a disgrace. But uh, on City then, Carl, can anyone stop him? No, I don't think so, Sam. I think they're, um, they're, they're too far ahead of everyone at the moment. You know, Pete alluded to it earlier, you know, you've got teams having their best starts and they're still having to, you know, dig out everything they can and try not to even slip up, even with a draw, to kind of stay on their coattails. So, they just look too strong, to be honest. Um, Liverpool, I still think, will take them the closest out of everybody. Um, but I still just think, at the same time, that they'll they'll have a little sticky period where they maybe draw a couple and lose the odd one. But I just don't see City going through that sort of spell at all. You know, they're brushing everybody aside with ease, to be honest. I mean, you know, we gave them a game at Wembley where we possibly could argue got something out of that game, at least a point. But that wasn't City at their best either on, on that pitch. So I just think they're too strong, Sam. I think this year, as Pete said, they'll probably go over the 100-point mark again and probably over the 100-goal mark as well. Um, and, yeah, you, again, you're just going to have to try and find a way to play catch-up again in, in the summer, maybe. But whatever you do, City will be able to go and do exactly the same. So while they've got Pep and what they've got going on there, they, we could be in for a little bit of a, a reign of terror as such over the next couple of years. <laughs> yeah, I think you might be right. It's funny, like we've been saying how they're actually it's boring at this stage and that there's no drama with them really to talk about. But, uh, and you've been looking into the Der Spiegel stories to find a bit of drama off the field anyway. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, you know, it, it, absolutely right, you know, that they are far and away the, the best side in the Premier League, I, I actually agree with Pete, they're playing football that, you know, the, the Premier League hasn't seen before in terms of a, a different level, nobody can match it whatsoever, but, you know, is it is it a level playing field, you know, but when, when you look at the allegations coming out from these leaks, I mean, the, the, the passing off phony, allegedly passing off phony sponsorship deals to, to, to cover up, you know, massive influxes of cash, from the owner, which is obviously against financial fair play regulations, and there's you know illicit emails going past, which you know behind the scenes, basically just completely undermining the rules, saying how how can we get round this? We've got a nine million pound hole. I will tell you what we'll do: we'll we'll sell image rights for thirty million and pass it off as you know as organic revenue. And actually, you, you scratch below the surface and you you follow the trace of the money, 
and it's coming from the top from from um, from Dubai, uh, from from the owner. So you know, from the, the state the, even. Say again. From the state. Yeah, from the state. Well, yeah, that's a it's the real family, isn't it? So that, that's the thing. But when you follow the money, it's, it's being pumped in from from you know, um, Sheikh Mansour. You know, so it, it really does stink a little bit. This, to be honest with you, and there's there's talk of of uh, UEFA relaunching or investigation. I, you know, it, it might sound like sour grapes from from some of the teams who, who were who were chasing at the moment. But you know, you look at two of their last three title wins. And they've they've come very very close, haven't they? In two thousand and twelve, with Aguero's last minute goal, you know that was that was literally last second goal, you know, to, to win the league, and against Liverpool in thirteen fourteen, you know they were bringing on Aiden Zeko, a thirteen million pound signing, when you know theoretically, if they'd been playing by financial fair play, could they have afforded to have signed Zeko? You know they, they, these are these are narrow margins, and they've been able to build on that base to a point where they've got Guardiola in. And they've, they've now completely surpassed everybody. So, yeah, it, it may sound like sour grapes, but I actually think it's an important point. You know, if, if, the, if the flouncing financial fair play, which was brought in to try and stop this kind of thing from happening, then what is the point of it? You might as well just scrap the rule and say, well, PSG and Man City can do what they want and everyone else can just finish second, third and fourth, regardless of what they're doing. You know, Carl says you, you, you can regroup in the summer. He's right. You, you could probably going to have to. But if you're spending £150 million on players and they're spending £150 million on players, they've already got a good squad. So you, you, it's, it, it, they're already pretty much over the hill, unless the UEFA can do something to, to rein them in. Yeah, and can I just, you know, the, like I, I, I get everything you're saying and, you know, the, it was really good, you know, piece you put together under the Spiegel allegations. But like, the, the the part about City for me was no revelation at all. The revelation was about the European Super League. I, for me, that's just been kind of common knowledge for like years that, you know, the Eddie had campus and all this kind of stuff was a form of just, you know, it, like you said, inflated sponsorship deals. I didn't, like, for me, that's not a revelation. I, I thought people were always kind of, I thought everybody was aware that that's what was going on, you know? I thought it was as clear as day, like, I agree um, with you, Peter. I think it's just—it's not a revelation. No, definitely not a revelation. But I mean, it's it, it for it to be so blatant and for like you know it, some of the emails going around. I mean, Ma- Manchester City had a code name, um, uh, Operation Longbow, to take down Platini's. I like it. I like it. You know, you know, it, it, it's a complete. You know, it, it, it's a not to like Agincourt in the Hundred Years' War between Britain and France. You know, there's there's a complete massive sort of effort being done by City um, yeah. to to flounce these rules. You're absolutely right. I think most of us had suspicions. You know, there's no way that kind of spending by City and by um, PSG is, is sustainable or fair. But, but you know, some, the point is something's got to be done about it. You know, you know, something's got to be done about it. Surely they can't just be allowed to do what they want. You know, surely something's got to be done about it. Yeah, but then financial fair play becomes the rich protecting the rich to a certain extent as well. Um, so if you're not a big established club, you can never, ever be anybody in football. That's essentially what it says as well. So I oh, think yeah, it's you have perfect. to come up with some kind of fairer way to do it as Absolutely, well. Absolutely, yeah, it's not um, perfect. But I, just on a lighter note, like I think we all kind of thought for a while there that you know the De Bruyne injury might be the only hope anyone had to catch in City. I think the financial fair play, fair play police raiding the Etihad at four in the morning is probably the closest. And, you, and I'm getting a big points deduction or something is probably as close <laughs> as anybody's going to get to touching that club for, yeah, for a couple yeah. of years, it looks like. You know what I mean? 
It's yeah, probably yeah. A, I fucking hate football sometimes. Anyway, right, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Arsenal won, Wolves won. Colm, I'll come back to you. Uh, Gunners continue their unbeaten run, thanks to a late strike from Mkhitaryan. And uh, I guess they'll be happy with that, and even probably happier with this fur- further show of evidence that Arsenal are... They have a bit of fight in them, actually. Yeah, they're getting places. Um, I'm actually surprised how well it's gone for Emery. Uh, so far there uh, I think I think they're kind of going under the radar this season um, Arsenal fan TV must be taking a serious hit because... oh, massive <laughs> massive fan nobody's watching quite nicely aren't they I mean everyone's talking about Mourinho uh, City um, how Spurs are somehow you know they, they have no stadium and they haven't signed any players uh, and Chelsea and Sarri so then kind of and of course Liverpool so then you're talking after that comes Arsenal and I suppose they're building a nice little team there with them um, Leno was excellent there against Wolves. He really kept them in it. Uh, Torreira seems to be a fine player in midfield. And then you have Aubameyang and Lacazette building up this kind of Colin York partnership, it seems. So they did well. Having said that, uh, Wolves really should have won that game. Oh, yeah, no, I'd agree with that. And actually, on Wolves, uh, Carl, for all their sort of positive play and the plaudits that they've got and the you know these great performances where, as Colm says, maybe they should have won that game, Four wins, four draws, four losses. Well, that's quite good, you just said, for any other promoted side. Wolves might feel a little bit hard done by. They might feel that they deserve a bit more at this stage of the season. Yeah, they, they probably would, wouldn't they? I think they, they're, they're the next club, I think, that are looking to try and build themselves and get in that top six and slowly, at some point, push for that top one of those top four spaces, you know, places. They're, they're a club with big ambitions, it looks like. So I think they may have been hoping that they'd have a few more points on the board um, than they do at the moment. You know, they've dropped some silly points in games where you didn't think they'd drop points, given their squad and the way they started playing the season. So they'd probably be slightly disappointed um, that they haven't got a little bit more on the board um, than they have. But they they do look a really good side. um, And I think their season is going to be scattered with some of those really good performances. And then the odd blip where they lose to someone that you just wouldn't wouldn't think they'd lose to um, at home or something like that. Um, but they should have nicked all three points there. I mean, the chance they had right at the end that comes off the bar was a great opportunity. Um, and it was quite an impressive performance. So I think they'll, they'll wish they had more on, but I think they'll be slightly confident seeing, seeing what we've seen from some of the other teams this year, that they'll be safe. I don't think there's any fear of that. And it's just a case of how they go on building on that in the summer, because that that is a club with serious ambitions, I think. I think they're um, a ruthless striker short of a top eight finish. Yeah, 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 definitely. yeah definitely. definitely, definitely. They've scored 12 goals and, right, you know, the, the striker we've all seen is Raul Jimenez and he looks a bit short, but he's actually scored three and assisted five. So he's had a hand in, you know, what, 66% of the goals. But yeah, you're bang on. They're just a bit blunt up front, aren't they? Like, mm. Yeah, they are. That'll be their that'll be their summer, won't it? Identifying a striker that's going to potentially score them the goals, that then gets them that top six, and then they'll just build around that after then. Because as I say, you know, with the contacts they've got at that club, that they could pull in some serious players if they want to. Imagine being a left back and you see fucking a damatriori coming off after seventy five minutes. You'd be you'd be holding the hamstring or something, wouldn't you? If you're there going, oh no, right, I need to get off. <laughs> What about Arsenal then? You know, if we say that Wolves need a a top class striker, that's obviously not a problem that Arsenal have at the moment. But what do they need to sort of 
maybe kick on and, and start being up there with Liverpool and Chelsea as sort of the next best in the league? Yeah, Arsenal and Sam. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'd say um, I'd say probably a couple of top class centre halves. Uh, Mustafi mm-hmm. never really convinces uh, too much. I, it, like you know, Torreira does. Torreira's absolutely hit the ground running. Like you look at the straw, you know, I the name of the pod last week, whereas like Fabinho and Fred are are shit. So you look the way he's come in and and you know they they look such a better team with him in it. Do you remember the first few games of the season? He was coming on with twenty minutes to go, and they were. You know they were improving immediately, so he looks really good. And Jack actually looks a lot better in beside him. I'd still probably say a central midfielder um, and and a couple of centre backs, maybe a left back as well. They still need quite a lot of work. I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Peter, contain yourself for a second. We'll get on to Ranieri in just uh, in just a moment. But first, Ants uh, Liverpool two Fulham nil. Uh, back to winning ways for Liverpool after disappointment in midweek. Shakiri showing what they were missing as well. Yeah, Shakiri looks um, an absolute bargain. To be fair, doesn't he? Um, you know, he adds a bit of tenacity to the play. Um, we we can look a little bit flat sometimes in that second third, and he he's a really good link up player. Um, but, but between that that sort of second line of three up to the front three, uh, it looks a really good fit, and the, the the cop have really taken to him, which is quite nice to see as well. Um, I thought all in all, it was quite a controlled, measured performance against Fulham. And there were many thinking it would be, you know, four or five nil before the game. You know, a lot of people online, so social media saying oh, it'll be five or six today, get the floodgates open and get a few players scoring. But in, in all honesty, I just wanted to win. Um, I looked at the game first 10 minutes and you could see Fulham had actually come to sit quite deep. Uh, I, I've not seen him do that too often this season uh, when, when Ivanovic was there, the manager. Um, so you, you could just tell they were there to frustrate us, maybe try and play in a bit of fatigue that we might have had from the uh, Champions League. But I think all in all, we we, we bossed it really. Um, wasn't us at our best, but um, you know we we, we dominated possession. Uh, could have had an extra couple of um, goals if we made the right decisions. Um, maybe that probably is a bit of an area we need to look at uh, at times. Um, I, I think whereas last season, especially when we were in full momentum, the decision making seemed natural and quite fluid. But at times, there seems to be a bit of a hesitance in the box. You know, Mane is. Uh, Mane's made a couple of bad decisions in the final third. Um, you know, Firmino doesn't quite look to be where he was last season in terms of the, the linchpin up front. So maybe that's that's an area which is still a bit of concern. But I thought overall it was it, it was a fairly measured performance. Yeah, um, quite pleased with it really. Uh, you know, Fulham looked a bit toothless um, to do it unlucky with the um, with, with the offside decision. But you know. Um, all in all, that's just, we did what we had to do. You know, our record against promoted sides the last few years has been pretty poor. So I was just pleased to get the win and, and to, to move on. As you say, it was a bad result in the week. So move on and at least try and keep up the illusion of a title race with City. Well, you, you, you say that, but and, and Klopp, I feel, is getting a bit annoyed with people. It sounded like he's getting a bit annoyed that Liverpool aren't getting the credit they deserve being in second and keeping yeah. up this pressure on them, you know, kind of going, yeah, well, that's right. you know, what, what what else do you want us to do? So we're not doing it yeah, the, yeah. the city way, we're doing it our way. So is, is he right to be annoyed by that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, he, he's going to be ultimately judged at the end of the season. You know, we all said at the start of the campaign on the pod, we all, you know, he's going to be judged on how we've done in the Champions League and the Premier League, um, you know, and, and, and ultimately Liverpool need to be trying to win the league. The money they're spending, you know, the stadium that they're building up, the manager there, the infrastructure there. We're, we're trying to win the league. So he's had the best start we've had for a long time. It's only once before we've had this points return from 12 games. Um, so he's doing a good job. You know, he really is doing a good job. 
you know, the team, the squad looks as healthy as it's looked in, in my life supporting them in the Premier League. Um, and you know, I think to, to get them where, to get where we are, it, it, it's pretty impressive. Um, I've not got really got any complaints. Uh, there's a lot of whinging being done that we're not winning four or five nil every game, but you know, you, you can't play like that every game. You know, you, we're not Manchester City. We, we, we've sort of got to grind some results out sometimes. Uh, I, I think he's done a terrific job. Um, I really do, and he's, he's got every right to be frustrated if um, if people are sort of you know, niggling at him every week and saying, you know, are you going to overtake City? It's such a big task to overtake City. As you were all saying before, you know, they've opened up this gap between the rest. It's, it's only two points, but it, it looks like it could be a lot more by the end of the season. And yeah. did you see Kovacic's uh, comments today, you know, about why Liverpool won't win the league? No, no, what did he say? I haven't seen that. <laughs> they were filming a documentary about the Croatian team's run to the World Cup final and they asked oh, Kovacic no, no. who'd win the Premier League. <laughs> And he said, it, right. definitely, it definitely won't be Liverpool because they have Lovren players. They've got Lovren. <laughs> hey, leave, leave the Dejan alone. <laughs> leave the Dejan alone. He's the greatest centre-half in the world. You know, leave him alone. <laughs> when to you're getting trolled by your own international teammates, that's pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Carl, uh, as you sort of alluded to earlier with your gripe of the week, there was a bit of controversy in this game. Was uh, Mitrovic's goal offside should it have stood it was so borderline wasn't it I think you know you could look at that a few ways and kind of you could argue in both ways where he's off he's on um I think even if you had VAR that one you could look at and go well I don't know it this could go either way so I think that one's not so clear cut to be honest um but you understand why Fulham will feel hard done by, you know, if they get that goal, you know, you don't know what happens in that game. Uh, yeah. But I don't think that's as clear cut as some of the ones that we've seen, to be honest. And, and on the other end then as well, because Alisson, when he hit the free kick, the ball was rolling in the build-up to Salah's goal. So that, I don't know, I guess these are just things perhaps that, that just happen in games and people just have to get on with it. It's tough for Fulham, especially when, I think when you're losing, these things just seem to happen, don't they? Yeah, they all go against you, don't they? When you're down there, things contrive to sort of like just make matters worse for yourself. Um, I, I'm surprised. I thought they might have given him one more game. I thought it might be that that Southampton game was going to be the key one, and that to me could have been for either manager in that game. You know, Hughes, I think, is under a lot of pressure. Um, so I thought they'd see how that game went, but they've obviously decided now's the time to pull the trigger um, and get him out and replace him. So. Yeah, you know, that's just see what Ranieri can do. Um, but it'd be interesting that one. I'm not sure where that where that goes for them from here. Well, go on then, Peter. Where does it go from here with uh, with Ranieri? Yeah, I think he'll I think he'll do a good job. Um, I think he's a proven track record of nearly all the clubs he's gone into. He's started really well at. Yeah, you know, Juve his last job at Nantes, like Leicester, obviously. Um, and, and a lot of, you know, he's managed a lot of clubs. I'm not going to start listing them all off. But um, he does tend to then, it, it, it tends to taper off after, you know, six or nine months. But what 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 Fulham really need now is someone to come in and shake it up and, and get them moving up the table. So I think he, he is kind of a, he, he's a, he's a good appointment. Maybe that's mm-hmm. me being biased because I just love that man. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think he'll be good. And I, I think, you know, there was a part of me kind of felt, you know, I look at Jukanovic and I thought, you know, at least he's tried. He's come up and tried to play football. But then the other side of me is saying, Do you know what? He, he's he, they spent a hundred million, and the only defensive that that defense can see ship ship goals last year. 
year in the championship. And he came, he got 100 million to spend, and he he brought in Timothy Fosio Mensa and uh, Callum Chambers, who I don't have any idea how he's a Premier League footballer and how clubs <laughs> even want to take him on loan. So you'd have to say it was naive or even arrogant of him to think that that same defence, plus a couple of on loan youngsters from from uh, other Premier League clubs was going to be able to compete in the Premier League because you just look at, you know, I know Tim Ream's a fan favourite. I don't think he's ready for this level. Adoy is nowhere near good enough. The, the two youngsters probably aren't quite there either. Um, you know, that yeah, that, I, I personally think it was the right decision because mm. all the other teams at the bottom are starting to pick up points now. Fulham have lost six in the trot. The managers basically had to forgo his principles to a certain extent. I thought they were it was a bit promising against Liverpool, but you've got a case now where Manjo said, no, we're not going to change. And then he's saying, OK, we're going to change. I don't know if you're a player, how you react to that. You're probably thinking, you know, he's, you know, he's gone back and what he told us he was going to do all along here. So yeah. I personally think it's probably the right decision. Um, well, I was surprised, Pete. the right man. I think it's the right decision to let him go, though, because I think that if it goes, goes another two or three games, which I think it probably would, um, they're in big, big trouble. Like they, they were terrible mm. against Huddersfield, even you know. So, um, yeah, for me, the right decision. Whether Ranieri is the right manager, time will tell. But um, I, ho- I really, really hope uh, Claudio gets manager of the year this year. Yeah, it's probably a good time. <laughs> it's probably a good time to to bring him in, though. Really, when you think about it, it gives him an opportunity to get his feet under the table, work with the squad before the window. If they are going to spend any more money, then and. You know, because after after January, it's a, it's almost a bit too late. It feels sometimes, especially when they've been on such a terrible run as they were. Anyway, yeah. still to come, uh, we'll chat about Palace uh, and Spurs. We'll have Everton and Chelsea. We'll have uh, prick of the week as well. But first, it's time for round one of the quiz, and it's uh, the old favourite. I name a bunch of teams that a player has played for, and you name the player based on the teams that he's played for. Game. Right. Uh, so uh, I'll just start saying the the teams, and then you say your name, and I'll go to you, and uh, well, we'll just work it from there. So the first team that this player played for was Cambridge United. Peter. Peter. Dion Dublin. No. The second team he played for was Reading. Nobody. No. Nope. Uh, well, that's where he spent most of his career, so it's going downhill now. Uh, then he played for Stoke City. Column. Column. Dave Kitson. It was Dave Kitson. Points on the board. Nice. The secret footballer. Yeah, Dave Kitson. Dave. The secret footballer. That's it, yeah. yeah. Good call, good call. Right. Uh, player number two, then, began his uh, began his career at Perugia. Nobody? All right, then. Uh, then he went to Rangers. Rangers? Where did he go? Rangers. Column. Column. Uh, was it Gattuso? It was Gattuso. Two from two. Oh, very good. New boys doing well. Yeah, Samir, I didn't hear that. Did you say AC Milan in between? No, no. Did he not go on loan to Rangers from AC Milan, no? No. <laughs> I don't know. I don't sorry, know about Peter. that one, sorry, man. Sorry, Peter. Sorry, Peter. All right. Yeah, do you want one we need more? VR we need VR in this, I'm telling you. <laughs> well, not according to Wikipedia, which is uh, where I'm getting my facts from. Uh, right. Uh, final one. Uh, before we move on, uh, this player began his career at Arsenal. You have one in ten thousand, Charlie. <laughs> Carl. David Bentley. No. <laughs> then he went to Manchester City. Peter. Peter. 
Oh, no, it's jumped too fast, jumped too fast. <laughs> um, <laughs> Carl. Carl. Gal Cliche. No. Anybody else? Peter, 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 Peter. Peter. Big Nile, baby. It was Nile Quinn. Very <laughs> good. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Colin, you love him as well. I love him. Then, of course, went to Sunderland and finished his career playing for a Thai side called Beck Tero Sasana. There you go. Uh, right, let's go on. Palace nil, Spurs won. Carl, happy with this? Digging out a win against Palace, keeping your place in the top four? It's not bad. Yeah, it seems to be our theme at the moment, doesn't it? You know, we're, we're not exactly setting the world alight in football terms, but we're digging out those results and uh, coming away with the three points. And I guess ultimately that is that is all you can ask for, um, given the circumstances that surround the club this season, you know, with the mess up with the home ground. Um, you know, we was always going to struggle with fatigue after the World Cup and then obviously we've had some big injuries so it's not pretty at the moment that's for sure um, but if we can keep getting those one nils or that across the line but a win by the odd goal then I think we'll take it because uh, we all know this year for us now I think if you spoke to most Spurs fans just getting top four I think would be enough this year um, because I think we really do, you know, until we get in that home ground properly, I think we're just about consolidating. Um, but you do kind of worry as to what, what's coming because, you know, the noises that with Ericsson's contract at the moment doesn't sound too, too promising, you know, the sort of comments he's coming out with on international duty. Um, and yeah, you just kind of fear that if that, this year, I would fear missing out on that top four would bring some of those key players deciding to call time and say, well, we're giving you enough of my enough of my prime years, so I'm going to go somewhere now where I can potentially win things. Um, so, yeah, if we can keep grinding it out, then that's good, but we will need to step up, step up the level a little bit at some point soon, start putting in some real good performances because we, we won't get that lucky constantly. You know, Lloris is pulling off some great saves in the games we're winning. You know, West Ham pulled off some great saves against Palace right at the death there. Uh, Wolves cause us some real problems. So we're kind of hanging on at the moment and that will need to change if we want to have any aspirations of staying in that top four. They're going to spend some money in January, do you think? Well, I think he's got a real crossroads to to deal with there, Levy, because, you know, he's set his stall out that this ground has been built with the assumption that you're bringing in Champions League money. Um, So I I don't think come January he can possibly afford to not pull out the checkbook and sign at least a couple of players that give everyone a lift mid-season. Because, you know, I do think this is the crunch time where missing out on top four causes headaches, not just in terms of the footballing side, but possibly the financial side of the club with, you know, no one wants to go into that new ground with Europa League football um, being played there because that's like a kiss of death. Um, And what, what, you know, having put all these advertisements out about, you know, this will be the only place in London you'll see Champions League football. That was a massive, you know, egg on the face moment. So I think he will have a call to make there. And I think he will have to, you know, get that checkbook out. Because I think even as well with Poch, Madrid, I think, are just waiting for the summer. And I think then they'll, they'll come back, you know, and... Potch may just be thinking, well, I'll give you to the end of this season, but if I don't see something in January, then 
I think I'll call it time as well. And and that could be a real bad summer if things don't go the way we're hoping they are. So I think he will get the checkbook out. Um, I don't think we're going to see, you know, massive world-class players. But if he can bring in two reasonable squad players that just freshen everything up, then then that, I think, is going to be key this year. You mentioned uh, Loris as well and how he, I mean, he pulled off a cracking save towards the end of this game, but he also looked like he had a bit of a rick in him as he has done really for the last six months or so. Are you happy enough to stick with him? So at the moment, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's one of them, isn't it? We, we've, you do see this side to the Reese where every now and then your heart's in your mouth because he'll either do one or two things. He'll either come steaming out of his box when you think he shouldn't when you think he should, he sits on his line, and that's caused us a few problems. The trouble is, the bloke is a great shot stopper. Other than that, sometimes his decision-making and his distribution are not as good as they probably should be for a keeper at his level. Um, but shot stopping, the guy's amazing. So I think right now, he's probably done enough to warrant his place. But I think he probably needs to just, you know, put in some real steady performances for a run because lots of Spurs fans are calling for Gazaniga, you know, the second coming of Gaza to start being considered as number one. Um, But I I just don't think at the moment, I think if you've got Larice there, then I think he will stick with him. Um, And, you know, he has he has he has got us some points recently. So if he can just start to get a grip of his coming out off his line and his distribution, he is still a great goalkeeper. But I think it's coming close. You know, you could see by the start of next season that Gazaniga is now really pushing him for a first team place. That's if Lloris stays. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Lloris may be starting to see the end of his Spurs career coming. What about Juan Foyf, uh, Colm? I mean, that could have been a moment of the week uh, there in its own right. I mean, villain to hero, scoring the winner and being named man of the match last week, more or less responsible for two two penalties on his debut. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the stuff of dream team storylines. <laughs> yeah. uh, see, well, I mean, the, like Juan Foyt scored that goal because of, uh, of a contender for your prick of the week series, which was uh, Jordan Ayew just watching him head the ball in. <laughs> 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 But, um, yeah, with Spurs, I have a close affiliation with Spurs. My brother-in-law is a huge Spurs fan as a season ticket. Um, I think with the, with the new state, the one benefit with the weather is going to be loads of benefits to the new stadium. One of the big benefits, I think, for him would be that you might buy another season of Patch in the same vein that Thierry Henry stayed at Arsenal for another year um, for the Emirates. Because he wanted to be the first captain at the Emirates, you know, there, you know, he he could have gone to Barcelona a year before he did. Um, you might get another year to patch. It might not ultimately matter, but I find it I find it fascinating with Spurs with fight. I mean, he seems to be able to find. But overall, in terms of the squad, like they're really um, they're at their limit in every position. It seems like they they're so reliant on all their key players mm. performing and staying fit and playing all the time. <laughs> When's the last time Harry Kane was a hundred percent? And he just keeps them going. And I feel like Spurs, with Spurs, with the likes of Kane, Delhi, and Ericsson and Lloris, in about 10 or 15 years' time, there's going to be a documentary released. And they will explain how tired they have been for these five years. <laughs> they're just constantly needed all the time. And yet, if I was a Spurs fan, I'd be a lot more positive than I am as a Manchester United fan. 
Yeah. yeah, did you see the stat doing the round, lads, though, that like in the na- in the last nine months, Spurs actually have the best um, away record by five points above City um, in the Premier League. But 14 points above Man United, 12 above Liverpool, 12 above Chelsea. Um, I, I think they've... The Spurs have... When I watch Spurs, they've become really... People say they're inexperienced Spurs, but I'd argue that they've almost that group of players have almost become experienced because they just seem to be the masters, especially this season, of of grinding out results without really playing well. And like I get Carl's point that it can't it can't last forever, but like there's such a body of work to you know, nearly every time I see them this season they're just about getting over the line. Um which is we've all been grown up having it rammed down our throats that that's a sign of a good team as well. So if they aren't too bollocks to actually click at some stage this season, um, I, I think they'll comfortably finish in the top four, if I'm honest. I'd say that top four will stay the same as it is right now today. Um, I, don't, I don't think Arsenal will be able to keep up that. I think Arsenal will, will have a, a few blips along the, the way. And you know, Spurs have finished. They've the best, I think, um, points total over the last three seasons of everybody. Maybe not with City last season. But they finished in the top three, three seasons in a row, which is nobody else has done either. So um, I think they deserve a fair bit of credit, and so does Pochettino as well. For... I, I think I think one of the good things this year as well that, that does keep us kind of positive at the moment is the fact that we've played so many away games and come away with the results that we've got a, you know, a big run of home games somewhere to come along the line. And that hopefully will be where they can sort of you know, get into gear a little bit, you know, and and if once we get these poxy international breaks out of the way that seem to come along every two weeks at the moment, you know, and get these players constantly there and, you know, freshened up, hopefully, then, you know, yeah, it, it you know, they, they should click into gear. And if we can get the injuries back, like the Tongan, um, get Ali back in the side regularly, um, you know, Ericsson back in the team playing. Son hasn't fired this year as yet. But then again, that poor bastard is knackered. You know, he's been flogged to death by uh, by South Korea. So if we, if we can get those guys given a rest, <laughs> you know, then, then hopefully... That's you know, the title for the pod, Dirk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, give, the, give the bloke a rest, you know, come on. You know, he's done what he's done for that country now. He deserves fucking military rest. God, he'd probably prefer to be in the military, the amount of guys... You get more kip in the military, don't you? Yeah, you yeah get more. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and what about Palace then? Um, I mean, they're down there, but so are a whole bunch of other teams who are probably worse than them. Yeah, they'll be fine with the Liverpool legend Roy Hodgson there. They think he'll keep them up. They look a bit poor there, to be fair, Palace. I, I, I don't know. I mean, they, they're very, very dependent on Zaha, aren't they? You know, the, that, that statistic is shocking. The, 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 result, the, the results without him is, are atrocious. Um, they, they just look like they need... Um, they're lacking all over the pitch, which is worrying. They don't, they're not keeping clean sheets. They're not good going forward. It's always a sign of impending disaster. So just have to wait and see. They've got a new stadium in the in the works as well, so they could do with staying up. So be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, they're a bit unlucky whenever you watch them play, though. No, I've seen them maybe five or six times in Sky this season, and they seem to do well. Like Liverpool at the start of the season, Liverpool probably deserved it, but Palace were good against Everton a few weeks ago. They were right in the game, and then. Everton scored two right at the end. Um, against Chelsea, they were good. Hazard came off the bench about 70 minutes. They just seem to, they're just another team. We were talking about Wolves earlier on, but 
Palace just really struggled from not having a striker because Hodgson yeah, gets Hodgson gets teams well organised and then they're all right in, in midfield. I like Mahailov. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that. You know my problems with pronouncing names and that one's just beyond <laughs> me. The guy, the guy who takes the penalties. You know that lad. Um, <laughs> yeah, him. yeah. And then it's like Zaha, Zaha is outrageously talented, but. He he's not. They're playing him up front or off the front man. I think he's better off out in the wing, you know. So yeah, he's a winger. He get a striker in. I think there. I think there's, you know, other seasons. I'd look at the relegation zones and you you are the relegation battle, and you'd be thinking there could be seven or eight teams. But I look at it this year, and it's it's kind of. I think it's already set in stone that it's going to kind of be like Cardiff, Volham, Huddersfield, and and kind of Newcastle. I, I think Crystal Palace are better than all of them teams, if I'm honest. Like, yeah, you have got Solans. Uh, Anton, go back to you for the last game. Everton nil, Chelsea nil. That was really good fun for a nil all draw. Yeah, it was. It was a really, really good game of footy. Actually, uh, probably one of the best nil nils you'll you'll see this season. Um, I think credit has to go to Everton as well. I think they did really well to to nullify uh, what is a very fluid and very confident Chelsea team under Sarri. Um, I don't think too many clubs are going to go there this season and come away with a clean sheet. Uh, I know they wrote the look a little bit with, with Pickford making, you know, three or four absolutely belter saves, uh, point blank range. But um, I think after the shaky start on the silver, they're starting to put some, uh, they're starting to put together some good results, Everton. Um, Chelsea, you know, I, I don't think they should be too worried about the results. You know, that Hazard's looked a little bit off the pace in the last couple of games. But, you know, I mentioned before, the, the three or four top saves from Pickford, if you're creating chances... You know, that's always a good sign. I just think that they've come across a very, very well-organised and well-drilled Everton side. Um, I thought that the uh, Yeti Mina at the back for Everton looked really good. Um, I'm a little bit dubious about whether he'll perform this season. Um, he, he was actually... Com- I don't know if it was on a, a, a Liverpool fan site. Somebody compared him to Martin Skirtle on a Liverpool fan site. And I thought, well, it's bloody awful. You know, <laughs> He's, he can't be that good then. But, um, but he actually looked quite good uh, against Chelsea. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're definitely a work in progress, Everton. Um, Chelsea still look the business to me. You know, they still look a real, real good side. Um, I, I think what they need is somebody a bit more clinical than Morata, though, because I, I think if somebody else gets Morata's chance, they maybe put it away. You know, it is a good save from Pickford, but maybe I'm being hypercritical because Morata's a bit of an easy target. But uh, I, I think they are lacking that one extra player who can get the goals alongside Hazard. Uh, Morata and Giroud, I'm not sure how good they are to keep them in the hunt this season. But, yeah, cracking game for a nil-nil draw. That absolute belter. Fair enough. Uh, we'll get Prick of the Week in just a minute. But first, it's time to finish off the quiz with the scores and the doors. Colm, you've got two. And, Peter, you're on one, lads. Uh, Carl and Ant, you need to step your game up now. Uh, yeah. Right then, this one. This player has played for loads of clubs. So he started uh, at Barcelona B, uh, moved on to the A side, but never played for them, then went to Valladolid on loan, then went to Toledo on loan. Ant- and Luis Garcia. It is Luis Garcia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know that boy. Very yeah, well. I know yeah, that boy. Very well. Sticker box, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I got pajamas. Luis Garcia pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just continue. Uh, Toledo on loan, Tenerife on loan, Valladolid on loan, Atlético Madrid, Barcelona, Liverpool, Atlético, Racing Santander, Panathinaikos, Puebla, a club called Unam, Atlético, Kolkata, and then finished up at Central Coast Mariners. So he's had a interesting career. Uh, right then, next player. Uh, began his career at West Ham. Joe Cole. Oh, fuck's sake, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> it's all Peter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, fair enough. Point on the board, two all. 
and uh, this could be the decider then. I'm using your own laziness against you, Sam. You tend to pe- pick people <laughs> who are in the headlines, you know what I mean? So. Yeah, that's true. Uh, right then, uh, last player began his career at Wheelstone. Peter. Peter. Oh. Peter. He was first. Peter. Grant Hall. No. Colum. Colum. Uh, Chris Smalling. No. Oh, that was a good guess, actually. Wheelstone. Maidstone, I think he was at, was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, then he went to Coventry City. Colum. Uh, Colum. Darren Huckabee. No. Then he went to Nottingham Forest. And? And? I might be completely out here, but Stuart Pearce? It's Stuart Pearce. Yes! Uh, I'm not going to lie, I'm gutted because it's two all all around and I've got no more and now I've got to go and look up somebody else. (laughs) For fuck's sake. All right then. Uh, I had kind of one in the bank, so I'll just uh, use him. So, this player... And this is a really hard one. I don't think you're going to get this one. This player began his career at Colchester United. Colum. Colum. Muzzy, is it? No. There's a bit of a pause there. (laughs) (laughs) Then he went to Newcastle United. Peter? Peter. Chris Waddle? Nope. Went from Newcastle to Portsmouth. Peter. Peter. Lua Lua. It was Lua Lua. Winner. Three points to Peter. It's all yours, Peter. Take it home. Pulled it back. Pulled it back. All right. That's uh, almost it from us this week, but just time for Prick of the Week. Uh, Colin, let's start with you. Um, Can I pick an inanimate object? My prick of the week. Of course you can. Because <laughs> I will. And it's going to be a combination of the ball and the crossbar for denying Morgan Gibbs-White, a sensational winner at the Emirates. Um, I watched him come on against Spurs and Arsenal, and he looks a serious player. And I think if that ball went in, he would be getting a talk about even more so this week. And we'd be probably talking about him a lot in this podcast. Uh, he seems like a serious player. Now, he may never do anything ever again, but those two substitute appearances alone... Um, so I'm very annoyed at that crossfire for denying what would have been an unbelievable winner. Yeah, that would yeah. work. What a prick. It, it, is there any like promising young English players that don't have double barrel names these days? <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. Don't Ross think Barkley! So. Ross Barkley! <laughs> 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 Fuck off with your Ross Barkley. Uh, Peter, who have you got? <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Martin Atkinson, actually. Yeah, I think Ant brought it up earlier in his moment of the week. But, like, do you know, like, the fact that he asked him, did you take Saul Bamba, did you take... Tells me that he, he definitely knew he did it, like, you know what I mean? But, like, he ran over to the assistant referee half-fucking-naked, like, oh, yeah, you just had to ask him, like, well, was he afraid of him? I do well, like, he's, what, six-foot-four fella there? Yeah, I'd say probably afraid of him, but it's just so strange. Like, why would you say, actually, mate, did you take it off? It's <laughs> what, a, what a prick, what a prick. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, Carl, what about you? 
Uh, I'm going to go for Sterling this week for uh, not at least trying to save some face and do his reputation some good by trying to explain to the referee that the dopey bastard kicked the ground and wasn't uh, tackled in the Champions League. You know, whether or not the penalty still stands because the ref's going to make his decision, but at least, you know, have the decent thing and actually try and go over and say, yeah, look, I wasn't tripped there, ref. I just kicked the ground. So to me, you know, have some morals. Come on, come on, Sterling. Oh, no, fuck that. I, I, I disagree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Moralistic bastards. No, but I mean, yeah, like... If, if, when if, the day you start acting <laughs> Greg's <it's> moral. <laughs> like, the, if, if a defender boots him up in the air, he's not going to go, yeah, I did that. You know what I mean? Uh, the defen- well, the well, defender's going to go, no, I didn't touch him, mate. Didn't touch him, mate. Kyle, Kyle, he's a man. You fans, Kyle. What do you expect, mate? You know what I mean? <laughs> We'll take any. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's true. We, 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 we'll take any win we can get at the minute. Uh, Ant, what about you? Uh, I'm going to go with um, a, a group of uh, pricks this week. Um, although they have given us probably the best clip of the season so far. What's, whoever put what's, that the collective, like, what's the collective noun for pricks? Um, peanut. Prick eye. Prick eye. <laughs> yeah. It's not like a, mur- a murder of pricks. I don't know. Anyway, all right. So, anyway, tell us. A gaggle of cocks or something. A gaggle, a gaggle, that's the right word. Yeah, it's a gaggle of pricks. Very good. Yeah, a gaggle of pricks. <laughs> <laughs> that, that Parklife video with Charlie Austin is the funniest thing I've seen in a long time. It was absolute genius. And how quickly it came out afterwards as well. I mean, I yeah. love the internet sometimes. It's fantastic. But, I mean, Simon Hooper and his team are um, refereeing that game. It was only his, it was only his fourth ever Premier League game. That he was refereeing, and, and to, in fairness to him, I think the decision came from the video ref. So I don't know if the video ref was watching porn or QVC or something, and he wasn't like go concentrate on the game. I don't know, but I always I always called that it's an absolutely atrocious call. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm not a big Mark Hughes fan, but when when you're down, you, you get kicked. So them four, you know, the absolute pricks, yeah, them. a gaggle of pricks. Uh, a brilliant. Gaggle of pricks. Uh, all right, that's it. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back again next week with a special episode. And uh, thanks for joining us this week, Peter. Yeah, cheers, lads. Enjoyed that. Thanks, Carl. Cheers, guys. Thanks, Ant. Cheers, lads. Enjoyed that. And thanks, Colin. Really enjoyed it. Thanks, boys. See you next time.